Welcome to Relation Fix, the podcast dedicated to creating healthy, happy, and passionate connections with our loved ones. I'm Shana Dubay, your host. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Relation Fix. Today's episode is going to be a hard one, but I think it's important. I'm going to take a quick deep breath. And if you want to take one with me, that's a good idea. Sometimes we could just use a breath, but I'm really going to need one to get through today's episode. So okay, this is a very personal episode for me. And it's also universal. It's a big part of our human experience and what we often face in relationships. I'm going to talk today about grief and loss. So it's a little heavy. If you need to take this in doses, I understand. Take care of yourself, whatever you need. But know that this is something that we all face. When you become vulnerable enough in your life to allow someone into your heart, then the scariest part of that is the possibility that they could leave you. And in some cases, probability. This can happen by choice, by circumstance, by death. There's lots of different ways that they can leave us. So my grandfather died yesterday. So my feelings of loss are really fresh. He was my last remaining grandparent. He was also my mother's stepfather, but her father died when she was only five years old. So he was the only father she really knew and the only grandfather that I really knew on that side of my family. But I also lost my mom to cancer almost three years ago now. And this loss has really brought the memory of her passing right back to the forefront of my mind. It's truly amazing how vividly our memories of things can bring you right back to the event itself as if it's happening all over again. I've always been the type of person to feel deeply. I don't know if you've gotten the hint on that a little bit in our past episodes. If you haven't listened to them or you're new to this, welcome. But I am a very sensitive person. In fact, when I was younger, I would actually seek out deep feelings. I would seek out things that made me feel something. I would listen to sad songs or watch like the real saddest parts of movies over and over again. And I would cry. I never really knew why, but I can tell you I have watched the cemetery scene from Steel Magnolias a lot of times and have cried on multiple occasions with Sally Field after her daughter died. I always felt that I had this inner kinship with the bittersweet parts of life. And in some ways, kind of a longing for it, a longing for the melancholy. Some people might say it's the Pisces in me. (laughs) We have a little bit of melancholy to us. And I think, you know, to some degree that could be true. As I've gotten older though, I have not really had to go searching for those moments because life, like it so often does, has brought it to me. For me, the loss of loved ones, it feels odd. That's the best word that I have to describe it because it's almost like I've been transported into a different world that looks just like the one that I left, but it's off. There's something wrong about it, a little bit different. Like how can I be in a world where this person who always existed doesn't anymore? It's the oddest feeling. 
And it's all the feelings, sadness, overwhelm, intensity, sometimes hilarity, but it's all those things. It feels like they should be right here with me, but they're not. Sometimes I sit and think like, how is my mom not like sitting up at her house right now? Even though it's been a few years now. When my mom was dying, she kept asking me, is there anything you want to tell me? Is there anything you want to talk about? But there wasn't. I felt like I had said everything that needed to be said. It's all the things that have happened since she has gone that I want to tell her. I don't know if any of you have heard of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross before, but she is probably considered one of the foremost experts on grief and loss. She's since passed away, but she gave us the framework of the five stages of grief that we all know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. One of the most important things I think I've learned through my own grief and about these stages is that they aren't linear. They aren't singular. They don't happen just one time and they don't really have a finish line. I feel these things differently at different stages and different life events bring them back to me in very different ways. When someone dies, we don't just get over it. That just doesn't happen. We can move forward. We can rebuild. We can keep going. But we really are forever changed. We will never be who we once were. And personally, I kind of feel like I wouldn't want to be. I want to have a record of that person's existence within me. There's this movie that I really love. Um, <laughs> my friends joke that I have a movie quote for every situation. And I, I guess this is further proof that they're right about that. But this movie that I love is Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. And for those of you who haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's just a wonderful film that you can watch with anyone. It has Dustin Hoffman and Natalie Portman in it. And it's just this really fantastic film about a toy maker named Mr. Megorium, who is kind of a magical guy. He's lived hundreds of years as the owner of a magic toy store. Natalie's character, Molly Mahoney, is for all intents and purposes, his progeny. And she sort of really looks at him as a father figure or a grandfather, somebody that she looks up to. So the story begins when Mr. Megorium decides it's time for him to die. It's time for him to pass on, that he's lived the full length of his story. I know it sounds like kind of weird and dark, but the way that they do it is really beautiful. It's not dark or scary. But there's this one scene that gets me every single time I watch it because it's so poignant. I want to read you this little monologue because paraphrasing it just doesn't do it justice. I'm going to do my best to get through it without crying. <laughs> but my sensitive Pisces grieving heart <laughs> will do its best. So Molly kind of says to him, I'm not ready for you to die. And he says, when King Lear dies in Act 5, do you know what Shakespeare has written? Molly shakes her head. He's written, he dies. That's all. Nothing more. No fanfare, no metaphor, no brilliant final words. The culmination of the most influential work of dramatic literature is, he dies. It takes Shakespeare, a genius, to come up with, he dies. 
And yet every time I read those two words, I find myself overwhelmed with dysphoria. And I know it's only natural to be sad, but not because of the words, he dies, but because of the life we saw prior to the words. I've lived all five of my acts, Mahoney, and I'm not asking you to be happy that I must go. I'm only asking that you turn the page, continue reading, and let the next story begin. And if anyone asks you, what became of me? You relate my life in all its wonder and end it with a simple and modest, he died. Your life is an occasion. Rise to it. Every ending is the beginning of something else. The beginning of another chapter. The reason that life is so meaningful is because it is so brief. The fact that we don't live forever gives us context for what's most important. And I think this scene really illustrates that point beautifully. If you live long enough, you undoubtedly experience the death of others. But to be fair, death is not the only part of loss. Loss can come in a lot of different ways. Although this is the part of grief that feels the freshest to me right now, the loss of someone from your life in other ways can be just as hard, maybe even harder. This is how processing my divorce felt for any of you who've had relationships end where things didn't turn out the way that you thought that they would. It can be devastating and it is part grieving in order to move through it. Although my ex-husband and I have a very good relationship now, the loss of a relationship was devastating to me. I had to learn what it was like to live without him in the same way. It took growth, a huge amount of uncomfortability, and it still feels really hard sometimes. I've lost friends. I had a friend for 20 years who was a mentor and an amazing person who opened my eyes to so much of what makes me me. She introduced me to New Age medicine and the Seth material, mind-body connection, and the understanding of our higher selves, spirituality. I learned so much. We had the best conversations. But over time, things crumbled, and eventually I had to let go because neither of us were the same. I think about her every day still. And the loss of love in any way is always hard to get through. Friends, family members, partners, it's tough. A big part of grief is not just the loss of the life that you had prior to the grief, but also the loss of the possibility of the future that you saw for yourself. The loss of the way that you believe that your life was going to be. We grieve what could have been. I find this as to be one of the hardest things to move through because it feels like the possibility should still be there, yet it isn't. But looking back and saying my life should have gone this way but didn't is probably one of the biggest recipes for pain that I've ever made. I have delved into it enough to know that for sure. Susan Cain wrote a book called Bittersweet, which you should all check out. It's beautifully written. And she says, the love you lost or the love you wished for and never had 
that love exists eternally. It shifts its shape, but it's always there. The task is to recognize it in its new form. That really hit me because looking back at what could have been or what should have been hurts so bad that when I shift my focus to where that love has manifested now in my new life is often the antidote to my pain. It's not a panacea. It doesn't make everything better all the time. But if we can see that love is never lost, it just changes shape. It just blooms elsewhere. It's like when a flower dies and it becomes a fruit and the fruit becomes a seed and it becomes a new plant, it goes through transitions and it never stops. It never goes away. There's always more. It always turns into something else. This is a really important thing to remember when you're going through a really hard time. I wanted to find out how you all felt about loss and see if it's similar to my own experience. So as usual, I went on to Facebook and asked a question. The question I asked was, what is the hardest part about losing someone you love? A lot of the themes were similar to some of the things that we were talking about. Tina Kay said, never being able to talk to them again or hug them. That for me is one of the worst things. And so what I try to do is talk to them anyway. It's not the same. I know it's not the same. I tell myself that all the time. It's not the same as being able to call somebody on the phone. But we still have the ability to talk. Sometimes I write. Sometimes I say things to my friends. Sometimes I talk to God. I still have the ability to talk about what that looks like. And maybe I'll hug my girl. Or I just got a new puppy. I might spend some time running around with him and focusing on how love has shifted from one space to another. Josh Green said, erasing dreams of the future. That is a huge thing. That's kind of what I was talking about of not just grieving the loss of what has left you, but also what happens to what you thought was going to happen. Meditation, mindfulness, and presence has been something that I've talked about multiple times because it's so important. Living in the moment as much as possible is the way that we get to live more fully. We can never escape the fact that loss will happen, but the more we live present, the more we are kind to each other, the more we express our love and affection for one another, the more we treat each other kindly, the more we meet ourselves and other people in that space, the better things are. So when that time does come in whatever way it does, we know that we lived as fully as possible. It does not take away the pain. It does not make it easier per se, but you can look back and say, I really dove into those moments of love and joy and I did the best that I could not being distracted by things that didn't really matter. So I don't know if it's really erasing dreams of the future, but maybe changing them. John V said, filling that void, which was created when they left. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. But what I will say is, I also don't know that it has to be a void. 
because just because someone is not here physically doesn't mean that the love is gone because love is more than just a physical presence. It's emotional. It's energetic. So when someone leaves your life for whatever way, that space that you had for them is still there. It's still filled with the love that you had in that space. It's really hard if you have, let's say, a difficult relationship with someone and they pass. That's a little bit of a different thing. And maybe that has to be filled with a different kind of love. Maybe that has to be filled with meaning and understanding and growth. The pain of grief and loss is really one of the most difficult that we will ever go through. We all grieve differently and for different reasons. Remember to just be as kind as you can because you never know what another person might be going through. The most important thing that I want to bring up is the things that break your heart, the things that break you open are the most important things because in that space comes compassion, love, empathy, and connection. All the things that make life worth living in the beginning. The world needs you to be broken open. That's where the light comes in. The most beautiful things that are done in this world are by people who have been broken open. Take that space. Fill it with creativity and service. How can you use your brokenness to help others who are also broken? When we look at the spaces of service that people move into, we oftentimes move into that place because of the pain that we felt. Glennon Doyle said in one of her TED Talks, that's where you find your tribe. The things that break your heart are what connect you to other people whose hearts are broken the same way. What breaks your heart might be animal cruelty. It might be suicide prevention. It might be mental health. It might be the environment. These things that break your heart are clues. They're directions. For me, sitting and watching my grandfather in a nursing home pass away slowly is really difficult. And what breaks my heart about that space is not that he died, but the way that he died. Looking at long-term care, what I could do from that space and what I want to do, although I don't know how, is look at how can I take this feeling and make it better for other people moving forward? This is how things change. This is how we make real change in the world. So don't shy away from it. Don't shy away from your grief. Don't shy away from the loss. Look at it. Move into it. Don't get lost in there, but find the meaning. That's actually the sixth stage of, of grief is finding the meaning. We can either take our pain and make the world a better place, or we can hurt others with it. A lot of us do that, but the choice is really yours. For all of you out there who are going through their own grief, I just want you to know that you're not alone. I'm here with you in this space, and I understand. I'm sending you all so much love and light, and I will see you next week. 
Be well. If you want to share your experience, write a comment or contact us on Instagram at relationfixpod or email us at relationfixpodcast at gmail.com and tell us about it. All this information will be available in the show notes as well. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share it with your loved ones. 